0: Hello, how was your Thanksgiving? I had a lot of delicious food with my friends, so I'm very happy and ready to work. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving holiday as well. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm Dr. Yishan, a board-certified sleep psychologist. So years ago, I worked in a recovery facility to help patients detox from substances. I still remember. Back then, many of my patients told me in their first week of detox, how horrible they had a dream the whole night and how vivid and scary those dreams were. But when we are stressed out in general, many people still may rely on some kind of substances to help them fall asleep faster. You may not know actually even the substances can help you fall asleep faster, it actually could harm our sleep quality. Especially, they could suppress our REM sleep, which is our dream period. So that's why when you go through detox, you suddenly stop using the substances. Your body will try to recover from all this past loss of our REM sleep and you may end up with a lot of more dreams than normal. And that's what we call REM rebound effect. So today, let's talk about how to turn our suffering into a strength. So today, our guest is Colleen Ryan Hensley. She is a 10-year Navy veteran a candidate for Certified Mental Performance Coach with the Association for Applied Sport Psychology. And she's the founder of hashtag Binging Sober. She has struggled with depression and alcohol abuse herself for over 20 years. But eventually, she was able to turn the table around and thrived from those struggles. How did she do it? Let's listen to her story. Colleen, welcome to Deep Into Sleep Podcast. Hi, Ishaan. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I know you have quite a lot of journey in yourself. And uh, so you've been through a lot and you have a lot of interest topics talking about. So first, how about you introduce yourself to us briefly? Sure. I'm
1: Colleen Ryan Hensley. Um, My background is in sport and performance psychology, mental skills, mental toughness. Uh, My mission has always been to bring these skills to the masses because a lot of times we think of them with regard to extreme sports and performance and those types of things, but these are skills that I believe all of us can use on a day-to-day basis. So one of my goals is to redefine mental toughness for the next generation. And so I'm motivated to help those struggling with depression by introducing them to a new powerful method in achieving vitality, our energy for life. It's called hashtag Binging Sober and I'm launching in January of 2023.
0: Wow, that's so cool. Look forward to that. Can you mention a bit more about this um this launch? What's that gonna be about? How that's gonna help people.
1: Sure. Sure. So it's the world's first points system for vitality. And the way that it works is we track, so you start by tracking the things that you typically use to escape. So some of these things, first of all, let me go back. Sober, when I refer to being sober or sobriety, I'm really talking about a lack of intoxication or a lack of consuming things that we use to escape. So I'm sure you know a lot of us may be habitually and not even aware of these things that we're using, hoping to feel better, but a lot of times they make us feel worse. So you know binge watching binge drinking binge eating those types of things really just can take us down a place that we oftentimes refer to as a downward spiral where you know it's just this pattern of of escapism that just keeps dragging us down into a worsened state and so, I really want to illuminate the upward spiral, or things that we can do to reverse the impact
0: of those unhealthy escape tools. Mm. Wow, I think this is very important because in my own clinical work, I treat a lot of uh, not only adults but also teenagers with some yeah. kind of you know uh, maladaptive coping tools such as substance, right? and uh yes part of that is for to escape this emotional pain to numb themselves for some teenagers it's because their family relationship is awful and uh uh, they trying to use this way to kind of like escape from this kind of parenting and this kind of family Mm -hmm. relationship so it definitely is quite common and really hard to treat in my opinion
1: yeah yeah
0: i i can totally relate to
1: the t- i was depressed in my teenage years my parents got divorced um, my grandfather who was one of my just greatest mentors passed away unexpectedly. So it was back then that I started to use these things. And, you know, we can develop those habits really young and take them straight into adulthood and not even realize that we're doing it. Mm-hmm.
0: So what motivates you to rethink about this and now you're helping other people? Because well, as uh, other people it's hard for them to realize they're escaping, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's hard for a lot of us to realize we're escaping because it's so accepted. So many of these things that we use to escape are so just accepted in society, you know. Um, So it's really this access that I've been thinking about a lot, like the access to these tools and exactly that social media. Uh, You know, the pandemic really increased our access to things like alcohol. We can have anything delivered to our doors. Um, you know, socially, we were online. I mean, you know, we're really far away right now. And I love that I can talk to you. And thank you so much for having me, by the way. Um, So I'm motivated to bring this to the masses because I've really felt the impact on myself and my own struggles with depression, um, substance abuse alcohol abuse uh, mostly, and post-traumatic stress from a sexual assault that I experienced in the military. And it was this process that I used where I started to notice that I was wanting to experience this clarity and this, um, this vitality that I that I would experience at sea, in the Navy. So when I didn't have access to these tools. So that was a big gift is that I is that I naturally had myself in this environment where I didn't have access. So I was able to experience this clean, clear state of mind that all of us have. It's just, we're constantly doing things habitually that take us away from that. And so I really want to introduce that to people and this idea that so being sober
0: is this natural state of joy. Mm. Wow, I like that because a lot of people when they're you. in the process of depression and the post trauma, they possibly uh start liking this numbness, right? And mm. forgetting That's, what's alive, right? When's it, yeah. it like yeah. when clear-minded and I can actually feel feelings. I guess the feeling yeah. is really going to be too overwhelming, too painful for some people to really experience it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I completely, completely understand that too. It's just,
1: you know, this taking the first step of owning the feelings, which again is one of those things that as a society, it's just been passed down that we kind of push those feelings away. I mean, myself, you know, growing up, When I was struggling with depression, my parents, you know, their generation didn't really understand what that was. And so it's hard to own your own feelings when your environment isn't isn't talking about them either. So that's why this is so important for me is to just, you know, start talking about it openly. These things that we consider taboo, the more we talk about it, the more it becomes, you know, normal and it's easier to talk about that that whole you know boundary kind of loses its power and and the, you know the huge ocean of feelings it is it can be really overwhelming and i dealt with that after the navy when i started experiencing nightmares and things that were disrupting my sleep and flashbacks during the day of this trauma that i had completely buried and was trying to avoid and so once that started happening, I just I just with my background, you know, it's so it's so funny because you, I knew all of these things and all these things I should be doing, but it was still didn't make it any easier. I had all these walls up. I didn't want to feel those things. But the moment that I mean, I'm a huge advocate for mental health. And the moment that I said the words to my therapist and told her about the trauma, it was like a million pounds left my body. And so I know that it's hard as somebody who's struggled with those things and for those listeners out there that maybe as well to face those feelings. But the reward, like once you say it, it again, it loses its power. It like you can kind of look at it from afar instead of holding it inside when you have that support and that ability to face those feelings.
0: Oh, I love that. First, it's very brave of you, I think, to share your story and to really face the painful um, memories and all this. And I, secondly, I think it's also, I totally agree, it's very important when we are able to face it, even though it's painful, right? Kind mm-hmm. of bring this out of our Brain out of our chest and outside, so we can really look at that and coexist it. And slowly, it us less and less.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I really, I really, you know, I've come to learn that all you know, all of us have trauma. I mean, that's kind of a part of life. It's how our brain perceives something. So it could be a child losing an animal or an adult losing it. I mean, I lost a pet last year. It was extremely traumatic. So. We all have these things. And it's just, like you said, just getting them out there so we can coexist. It's it's like an acceptance. That's a huge part of how I want to redefine mental toughness is this acceptance of these things that are out of our control, that are a part of life, and making, you know, mental health care a part of that mental toughness.
0: Right, right. I like what you mentioned. You know, sometimes we are trying to escape what we cannot control right? Yes. that's part of life. I think to be healthy and to be able to really still able to do what we want to do, we need to learn how to accept there's something out of our control and really focus on things that we could somewhat control. That's a way to empower ourselves. And uh, I like what you mentioned about the, you know, escape. And uh, it reminds me of a metaphor we often use. It's like y- y- you are in the military. You're possibly familiar with this kind of concept that we got owned, right? We got injured. We are bleeding. And a lot of us tend to just, you know, uh, cover it up, put a lot of bandage on it, don't care about it. And then what's going to happen to the wound? You don't heal it. It just gets worse and worse. And then... Eventually, you have to deal with it. You have to get everything off and really clean it using some something. And that yes. oh, I love that. <laughs> yes. just the yes. process is so painful. But what? Guess what? After that, you start heal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a totally, totally different life. Like
1: I, I think about that person that was just pushing people away and keeping myself like, you know, I can take care of myself, just kind of walls, 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 you know? And and that doesn't, it doesn't work. Like it just doesn't work forever. And like you said, that wound, it's, you know, it's infected. It's 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 down there. It's infected because you haven't healed it. And so it's just coming out. You know, it's going to come out in your life. And it's, it's um, it's again very rewarding to go ahead and
0: like you said, take the bandage off and really clean it
1: hmm
0: you know yeah and tolerate the pain or expect the pain and I, I like what you mentioned earlier it's just like the more you talk about that the more you know about it right the less stigma around it and the less scary it becomes yes yes I mean I was very obviously it's not easy to talk
1: about these things the more I talk about it I mean it's kind of I feel I'm a selfish now because the more I share it, it is very, very healing. Again, when you're talking about coexisting with that, like it's still there, but now it's like, it's just, it's so different. It's not, it's
0: not hurting me anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful that you are able to get there. And now you are trying to help more people to get there.
1: To get there. And also to um, avoid or, or protect themselves from the t- kind of trauma that I experienced because that also goes along with binging sober, this hashtag binging sober is about awareness, control, and balance of all of these things that we're using for escape. So really becoming aware of what those things were. So, for example, 22 years ago, when I experienced this trauma, I had way too much to drink. I was in an environment where it was very culturally just accepted. It's kind of what we did. I didn't see it as anything different. And so I, you know, I didn't have awareness and control those foundations of hashtag Binging Sober. And so those things happened. I took full responsibility and buried the trauma, didn't report it, didn't think about it. And that's another part of this for me is if I can instill this idea of owning the things that we're thinking, doing, ingesting these things that we use for escape that can put us in a very, very challenging situations to not you know to have other people not put themselves there because they're paying more attention to what they're doing and who they're around and you know etc then that's also something that i i i wish for in all of this
0: yeah yeah and also i think you mentioned sleep a little bit i think in okay. this process right and uh um you, you mentioned flashbacks a lot of typical symptoms i know when people escape i i heard different like versions of it. When people e- try to escape things, uh, they sometimes these things come up in their dreams, wow. become nightmares. Wow. and Or some people will like wake up in the middle of the night and feel awful, like the heart is pounding and wow. uh, or even uh, have other hallucinations or sleep related. And there are also people use a lot of substance, to try to put themselves to sleep. So, when you mentioned this topic, I just remember so many things. It could be related to how, like, our sleep is. And then sleep also impacts our mental health and our mm-hmm. mood and our daily functioning. It's just a whole, like, like you said, down, sp- uh, <laughs> yep, it's downward spiral. spiral.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And sleep is obviously, you know, something we have to do every day. So, it's a part of that. Like you said, oh my gosh caffeine, alcohol, like all of these things. If I, if I have caffeine too late in the day, I can, so I still, you know, I'm, I still manage depression and I manage post-traumatic stress. Like it doesn't completely go away, but now I know what I need, you know, things that I can do. Um, And so if I do happen to get a poor night's sleep, then, you know, that's like kind of the start of that downward spiral because the next day I lean on caffeine to, you know, wake up and then I'm anxious because I've had too much caffeine. And And then, you know, I am anxious. So what? Maybe I have a drink because I'm trying to feel better from feeling anxious. And all of this stuff is happening in the background. And I'm just, you know, escaping to try and deal with it but what happens when I have that alcohol well now my next night of sleep is messed up as well
0: and it just keeps keeps going Mm -hmm. yeah yeah wow so all these years you know when you're escaping um how do you manage anything come up in your sleep do you have nightmares do you have like anything happen that impact your sleep
1: Yes. And this is, again,
0: part of that process of of
1: hashtag binging sober is really becoming aware of what those things are, those triggers that either, you know, those triggers that cause me to want to avoid feelings and escape. And so there are some really some basic things that I do that really impact my sleep. I love horror movies and horror TV shows. (laughs) But I can't watch like if I watch them, I have to watch them early in the day. I have to, you know, read something positive before bed because that kind of the that kind of thing sometimes these storylines can trigger flashbacks and things while I'm sleeping. Mm. But I did when I was a teenager, I was experiencing experiencing sorry, a lot of anxiety at home. And so I started having nightmares as a teenager. And I've always had very, very vivid dreams. So I happened to be talking about this with someone. It was kind of like a um, just circumstantial. It was like a stranger I was talking to about this. And they mentioned lucid dreaming. And I didn't know what that was at the time. So at I was 14 or 15, I got a book on lucid dreaming and taught myself to lucid dream. And that's a skill that now I've had my whole life. However, that skill, you have to be pretty well rested in order for it to work and for listeners lucid dreaming is you know becoming conscious or aware that we're sleeping and so you're able to manipulate your dreams and so if i'm not well rested if i've done things that impact my sleep i can't do that and so in the midst of a nightmare there's even this like awareness oh my gosh i'm having this nightmare sometimes like sometimes i can get that awareness in my dream and it almost makes me you know more anxious because i'm not rested enough
0: to Fix it while I'm sleeping. Oh, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Actually, what you you are doing is sounds like very similar to how we normally treat nightmares uh, that trauma related. Oh. Um, because one thing, like clinically, what people are doing is to help us to reframe our stories in the nightmare. For some people, has um trauma history sometimes they will have similar themes of nightmares, mm-hmm. either repeat, right? He's yep. yep. attack uh, or thought or some kind of things relate to that. So in the dream, in the nightmare, people feel so powerless and uh, I cannot do anything or I, I got hurt again, right? So one way to deal with it is deal- when we are awake, we are trying to rewrite the story. Yes, yes. And change changing something, we are more powerful and we, we rehearsal that. And then by doing that purposely, consciously, hopefully that's going to impact our dream. So in the dream, like what you did, we are able to somehow change the storyline and control the dream a little bit. Yeah, it takes a little bit of work, but that's
1: awesome. Yeah, I've, I've journaled. Like that's how I taught myself to to lucid dream to begin with is through journaling. So I'm going to try that Now You said that like kind of rewrite it afterwards. Things that I've taught myself were like, um, there are certain things in dreams that are obviously not going to be the same in, in reality. So for example, if you teach yourself to, if you should have while you're sleeping. Okay. So throughout the day to be like, look at the clock And then look at the clock again, which obviously was probably on our wrist these days. Well, so when you're sleeping, you start doing that, too. Like you'll start looking for a clock when you do. If you look back at it, it's probably going to be weird, gone, melted a weird time. So then there's these little like these little dream signs that we all have that if you're thinking about them during, you know, the day, like you said, to rewrite things like to really put some work in, then you're gonna trigger the same thoughts while you're sleeping and you're able to, yeah, really, really kind of become more involved or, you know, own your sleeping life, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. I now you mentioned that I never really connect this together, but I think I actually by accident doing that while I was younger. So I had very interesting dreams too. And when I was young, I figured out one cue, like you you are looking at a clock, right? I bite my finger. Oh. That's my cue. So I noticed in my dream, I don't have bones in my finger. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so it still looks the same, but when I bite it, it's like soft. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so, that's so cool. That's my cue to tell myself, oh, I'm in a dream. So I remember yeah. actually, I did it multiple times in the dream. To tell myself okay never mind this is a dream yeah that's so interesting oh my gosh that's so funny <laughs> yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try that and when you mention the horror movie i totally get it i watch horror movie too i love horror movie but the same thing when i watch horror movie i have to use a pillow to cover my eyes <laughs> <laughs> for all the horrible scenes my friends are like why are, are you f- watching it, I'm watching it. <laughs> It's exciting. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Horror movies.
0: yeah, but it, it goes into my dream. Maybe not That's- that same night, but in the future, one night, right? It, it may pop up in my dream. I remember I dream about like zombies. and oh, I, I was know- just going to no. say, I'm big, on, big on zombies. So a lot of times I
1: have these apocalyptic dreams, but they are different themes. Like in some I'll be like a leader and it'll be a really powerful dream. And then in others, it's just a mess. So it really all depends on my state of mind when I go to sleep, really. So.
0: Right. Yeah. But I like what you mentioned. You, you want to be cautious about whether you get enough sleep, right? What would make you be able to empower yourself better mm-hmm. in your dream? Um, and sometimes I think if we prepare it, if we are consciously thinking about it, our dream can have a healing power. Oh my gosh, 100%. I, yep. Yeah, I, I sometimes have very healing dreams. I have like bad day, bad time. And i thinking about that. And in my dreams, there's something happened. I Something happened to empower myself, make me yep. feel like it's not so bad. You, you see, I can still do something like a zombie thing. I dream about, I remember I jump up a castle and all the zombies are down there. So I was like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: glad I'm not alone in the zombie dreams. I'm sure there's a lot of us out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, but we can empower ourselves. We yes. can make it different, right? <laughs> we can save <laughs> ourselves in the dream. <laughs> I love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so like the impact that that can have on the next day is like you said, some of them can be healing. And if they're not, like if I've done something, if I've done something the day before, you know, maybe used an escape that's not very healthy, that impacts my sleep. I mean, it just like we were talking about this downward spiral. It just goes into the next day. Like the opposite is true. Like when you have a horrible night's sleep and horrible dreams, I mean, you can just
0: take that right into your day and not even notice. Right. And at the same time, I think it's it's actually a mindset thing, right? Huh, yeah. As you've been working in this field. You, 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 I'm sure you experienced that a lot. And we can always break this downward yep. spiral. Yes. And we notice the trigger. We expect it to happen or it just happens. Then what we can do to cope with it and reset and help us to, you know, start a different cycle. Yes. It's doable. Yes, and that's what hashtag Binging Sober is
1: about. It's not about long periods of abstinence from these things because, Ishan, if you tell me not to watch horror movies, that's all I'm going to want to do is watch horror movies, right? If you tell me I can't have popcorn, I'm going to want the popcorn. It's not about long periods of abstinence. It's about just taking some time away from those things, reflecting, seeing how that feels, recording it. That's where the points come in because we assign our own points to the system and how these things impact us, because what impacts me a certain way is might impact you in a completely different way. So that's really important. Um and so yeah, you can choose to do those things. But when you choose to say have a couple of glasses wine of wine, knowing how it's going to impact you over the long term, it gives you more power over it. And you can also then look, you know, Decide what other things you can do. For example, like if I do watch a horror movie, like I said, I'll read something positive before bed. I'll meditate before bed to get in a better like mental state before bed. So then I'm gaining positive points and reversing the impact that those horror movies, the horror movies had on me. Yeah. You're moving yourself up and down this scale of vitality using points you've assigned and tailored to yourself. Mm.
0: I love that, and also you mentioned journaling. I think it's similar yeah. right? We always tell our patients don't journal right before bedtime. Uh huh. Cool. Especially if you're journaling something about negative memories, Ooh, negative emotions, yeah. try to do that as early as possible in the day and away from the bedroom, so yeah. you don't dwell on those feelings after journaling and get it into sleep. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I not really
1: yeah. thought about. It. Because I, you know, I've, I've journaled a lot before bed to get that stuff out. So it's not, you know, in my head, but I can see how that might be impacting me that I haven't even noticed,
0: you know? Yeah. Well, that's another way. Like sometimes for some people, if they're very anxious, I think it's helpful for them to jog down whatever on their mind, like the to-do list, right. right. Get out of the way they can sleep. So whatever works for for you, for each again, person. very individual, yeah, exactly. That's what I always say at the end of the episode. Each episode, I have this little uh, blur thing. Says sleep is an individual thing, right? <laughs> it's very individual, and mental health and coping strategies yeah. and what works for each person is so different too. Yes, yes,
1: and I think we have this thing where we, um, we just society tend to lean on social like ideas of what things are, for example, happiness, let's just talk about like happiness or success. I mean, have, has, have you looked at that yourself? Like, it's important to say, okay, what is happiness for me? Because it has nothing to do with anybody else when it comes down to it. And so I think it's, you know, it's the same with all of this is that really taking the time to look at things from our own perspective, in spite of what all of these other ideas are around us. And I think yeah, this huge, is
0: so yeah mm-hmm, this is so so important. Uh, I, I love that to look at our own perspective and mm-hmm. it's so hard because it I, like for example, I live in San Francisco Bay Area, right? I don't know how people think about this area, but I noticed this area a lot of people are pursuing money and materialistic things. So a lot of people are not happy. They possibly, if they look at themselves, they could be satisfied with their life, And, or at least other people look at them, like really look up to them, feels like they're doing great, right? But they don't feel happy. They look even upper and they feel like, oh, I need more money, better Mm -hmm. house and better this, better that. So they could not look at themselves and find appreciation. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's so important to do that. Especially, you know, I mean, that as a child, teenager, teenager with depression, and even, you know, getting into adulthood, if you're not looking at what you consider your own personal happiness and and success, and you're, you know, just living by some expectation of society or someone around you that causes depression, if you feel like you're not hitting this idea of what happiness is, that we see, you know, all over social media and television and marketing and all of that, you know, where everybody's Chipping the bottle back and having a great time. (laughs) It's not really what it looks like. I mean, I found myself through this process of hashtag binging sober that if you think about a scale, so zero being a balance on the scale, that's the ideal place for this idea of binging sober is balance. It's not about this like, yay, like party, party, happy, happy all the time. That's not real life. And so... As I've tracked this over the years and really figured out this process, sometimes if I'm at like a negative one on the scale, I feel really good, but I wouldn't know that unless I did that work for myself and really reflected on myself. And so that's why it's so important. Like some, some days I feel great being a little bit blue, you know, and that's okay. But we live in this place where we all think that we have to run around with giant smiles on our face and
0: how are you doing today i'm great and that's not real life (laughs) i know that's i remember there's a culture shock when i was in china um i grew up in china so we always talk to friends right we don't really ask people how you are doing Mm -hmm. but we do answer like oh i have a horrible day and i have something bad happen and friends will we we'll bounce back ideas, right? After I came to America, everyone like, "How are you?" But I notice if you really say, "Oh, I had a horrible day," or something happened to me, like I just this. start <laughs> like, "Uh, uh, bye." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, uh, well, what's the point of asking that?" <laughs> <you? laughs> <laughs> so later i learned oh when other people ask how are you you're supposed to say fine thank you it's not a chance to invite you say more about your time which makes
1: it harder for people to face their real feelings if nobody's willing to you know listen (sighs) yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh, it's very different and also we talk about in chinese culture friends will tell you oh you're give me more weight or you look tired like authentic and honest oh my gosh yeah, I love that. yeah. yeah. and it's unbelievable to a lot of westerners when they hear that they're like oh that's horrible <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i'm originally from new jersey so very straightforward type of you know socialization and i live in texas where that is not really accepted uh-huh. and i learned that pretty quickly <laughs>
0: <laughs> so interesting how huh? each each place, yeah. its own little culture, how people want to interact with each other is so different. Yeah. 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 But social support is so important for our mental health overall. Yeah. 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 That's why coming out of this pandemic has just been so extra hard on everybody who's already struggling with things, you know? Yeah. And I heard a, a pandemic actually make people harder, more difficult to stay sober. Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I noticed that really early on in the pandemic. I was definitely doing things just to, out of habit to try and not think about what was really going on. I mean, that was really scary. I don't even like to talk about it right now. You know, Like, <laughs> this was a really scary time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully by now, people are getting out of their house and uh, um, socializing and trying more things and like, living a healthier lifestyle and more attention to the mental health. Yes. Yes.
1: Hopefully. I mean, we feel like we've been talking about it a lot more since like during and since, because we really had to, we're like forced to as a society, but you know, that's kind of, that's a good thing if we're able to talk about it more now. I've read recently that, you know, now, I mean, it's wonderful that people are willing to say, hey, I need help, I need support, and the system isn't ready for it. So, you know, we need resources and alternative therapies and alternative programs. I mean, they're out there. And that's another reason why I really thought that now was a good time to launch Hashtag Binging Sober because it's a non-clinical intervention. And, you know, ideally, you know, five-year vision, were are evidence-based, but it's something that I really wanted to get out there immediately because I know, the impact this type of thinking has had on me.
0: Yeah, that's great that you are launching something like that. And uh, I'm in the system. I'm a clinical psychologist. I noticed like we have far more clients than uh, we could handle. I actually do need to hire more clinicians. Uh, So that's an ongoing project, but it's really hard. So no matter how many clinicians we have, I feel like there's no way we could really provide enough support. So there need to be other type of support out there, Mm -hmm. right? Other alternative methods to help people because each person's level is different. They sometimes just need some basic support or some peer support. Some people may may need a little bit more. Some people are very severe, really need a lot of clinical intervention. So I hope there are more and more resources and legit resources out there yes. to really yes. help people.
1: Yeah. Yes. And maybe it is as simple as if you ask somebody how they're doing and they're not doing okay, maybe sit, maybe talk to
0: them about that just for a little, you know. Don't give run. A little Don't social run so support.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's an overall education. Hopefully, you know, uh even in school, people can start learning how to support other people's emotion, even a oh little bit that would be so helpful and if all the parents can learn how to start carrying out some conversations about the yeah. emotions in the household that's going to be so helpful
1: and teachers oh my gosh teachers, teachers need yeah. so much support you know and they're doing a bulk of this emotional you know dealing with the emotions of hundreds of children oh there's just yeah we really need to start talking about this more and make sure that everybody's supported and it's so hard and in a society like ours where we're always talking about how great
0: things are. Yeah, yeah. we need a balance. We cannot yeah. just, like you said, escaping won't solve the problem, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh I look forward to the launch. So how people can yeah. participate in this binging, uh, hashtag binging sober lunch? So the launch is happening in January of 2023. For more
1: information, please go to ColleenRyanHensley.com. It's H-E-N-S-L-E-Y. And I'm going to be starting focus groups here soon. So there will be opportunities for uh, maybe some pre-January talks and education and that sort of stuff.
0: Great. Yes. I will put all your information in the show notes and our website, at So hopefully, you know, when people are listening or searching online, they will be able to find your launch, your great resources.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Ishan. It's been so fun talking to you.
0: Yeah, thank you, Colleen. This is wonderful. Enjoy talking to you and all this yeah. fun stuff. And we have something in common. That's really yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> we should have a, a time just talk about a horror movie, <laughs> I think that awesome. that would be. Awesome. Let's do that. I'm gonna do so. I'm gonna do some
1: research. After this, so I'm going to try some different things with around the horror movies and the zombies, and we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you will be surprised. You know, I cannot find people to watch horror movies with me. So, But if i going to find someone, it's going to be girls, not boys. Really? But, oh, that's interesting. Girl, I have girls' night for horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend's husband refused to do <laughs> because he refused to watch any horror movie at all. So my girlfriends in the same situations, they could not find anyone to watch horror movie together. <laughs> so when we talk about that. We were like, "Great, let's get together so we can watch it." I love it. That's interesting. I guess it's something that I
1: don't like. Try to find a support group for, but maybe I should. <laughs> my husband. Thankfully. Thankfully, my dear husband watches them with me.
0: Oh, great! I'm not sure we could be married if he didn't. If he didn't,
1: because I just love them so
0: much. Is a horror movie a great, great way of dating? Uh, there's <laughs> psychological research on that, right? <laughs> the girl you like to a horror movie, so they're gonna uh-huh. like you more. But if a guy cannot watch it, what can they do? Oh, interesting! I like it. I like it. It's a good direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is awesome we're gonna have to find another time to do it <laughs> yes yes yeah thank you Colleen
1: thank uh, you, thank you very
0: much and uh uh any last wisdom you want to share with everyone any last word Hmm.
1: just give hashtag binging sober a shot it can it, you can feel it in as little as a day as little as three days so you know just really thinking about awareness, control, and balance of these things that we habitually use to escape. Let's, let's turn it around and, and take the wheel from those together.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And hopefully all, our audience, right, whoever are listening right now and uh, uh, follow Colleen and pay attention to this launch and see whether it's something could really help you in your life. Thank you, Ichan. Yeah.
1: Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there are so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional
0: services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.